This is the Organizational Health Advantage Podcast with Keith Hadley and James Felton, Principal Consultants at Table Group. They're in the business of coaching leaders to build strategic focus and cultural alignment that leads to amazing results. This podcast is for leaders who are looking to increase productivity and morale while decreasing politics, confusion, and unwanted turnover. Welcome to the Org Health Advantage. Hello, and welcome back to the Org Health Advantage podcast. I'm your co-host, James Felton, and as always, I'm joined with my good friend and colleague, Keith Adley. Keith, how are you doing today? Hi. I'm doing great, James. Excited to be here. Excited about today's topic, frankly. I'm really excited about it. Let's jump in real quick and get into it because I think this is something that really touches a lot of our clients. And that is, how do we get cross-functional alignment? And uh, yeah. and Keith, you and I have talked about this and worked with teams. What we see is you know, our work is really focused on the executive team or other teams throughout the organization. And yet the struggle becomes, after they've done that work, the struggle becomes, how do we get other teams aligned? And so, Keith, you have a set of questions and an exercise that I love doing with clients, but you originated it. So why don't you talk about that? Yeah, well, the set of questions came from a a client I was working with, and we had done a bunch of sessions at the team one level, you know, first team, the exec team. And on that team were all the typical functions, right? You had product, you had ops, you had finance, you had technology, you had marketing, you know, typical. And then we had done a lot of what we call team two sessions. So we'd work with the ops team. We'd worked with the marketing team. We'd worked with the tech team, worked with the HR team. And then we got invited into a space to do a cross-team offsite with ops and HR And that was the origin of this activity. And it kind of came up spontaneously, but needless to say, so this is a big company. They had multiple plants and they were having a lot of disconnect at the plant level between what the HR leaders are doing at the plant level and what the ops leaders needed them to be doing and et cetera. And it was sort of dissolving into conflict and tension. But the crazy thing is like the head of HR and the head of ops, they got along just fine. Like there was no issue between them. But one layer down, there was all kinds of, you know, disconnect and discord and uh, people at odds. So that that's a little bit of the setup. And I and James, you know, comment on this. I, I don't think that's a very rare context. No, and you bring up a really good point before we get into those questions. And the exercise is, boy, the leaders of those functions and departments really need to be aligned for this to yeah. work. If, if totally. they're not aligned then that, the work actually needs to not go down to those departments. It needs to stay up right. at the executive level. And clarity yeah. and alignment needs to be achieved there before we go down to the next level. Yeah. Um, so that's an, a really important point. Yeah. True story. I, I had a meeting. It wasn't a client. It was a lead that was the head of technology in a very large company. You all know this company. I could name it. I wish I could. It'd be fun. And they were, they were rolling out a big new app. And uh, I was talking to the head of tech and he's like, yeah, I don't think I need this for my team. I think we need this at this sub project team that's working on the app because it's a partnership between technology and marketing. And they're, they're at each other's throats. I was like, oh, well, you know, I mean, we, we could start there, but it would probably be better to start with you at your level. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, what, what's your relationship with the head of marketing? He's like, oh, I hate her. I, we, we don't get along at all. And I was like, <laughs> oh, gosh. 
<laughs> I was like, I think that's the problem. He's like, we need to start not with the two of you. We need to start with the person above you to get the two of you aligned. He's like, yeah, he would never do it. I was like, yeah, then this conversation's over. Like, there's just no yeah. point going deeper. So you're right. So let's yeah. assume that that there's been good work done at the team one level and the executives around that table, the functional leaders or the, or the P&L leaders, the business unit leaders at the senior table are aligned. How do we align the folks beneath us? So I think what we'd hope for, James, is that the clarity itself would, would be enough of an alignment, an alignment function, right? Just like, like if there's a thematic goal, that would be enough or core values or our strategic anchors. But, but often there's some intentional work to do. So, yeah. So the questions you're referring to, we, we got the teams together. We did a bunch of stuff. We did like working genius and we did some, you know, walking through the models, but an important part of the day came where we kind of later referred to this as an empathy exercise, or in their case, it was almost like a sympathy for the devil exercise because they really were at each other's throats. (laughs) Uh, and I, I, I broke them up into the sides. I had the HR team on one side, the ops team on the other. I said, hey, I'm going to put some topics on a flip chart. Priorities, pressures, energizers, needs. You know, what do we need to make life easier? What are the obstacles that make life harder? And everybody was like, oh, this is great. I finally have a chance to tell those guys what I need. I finally get a chance to tell them how they're making my life more difficult. And then we flipped and we said, okay, on the flip chart. Hold on. Pause right there. Pause right there. So you gave the topics, but what you're really looking for was the, like, what are the priorities? What are the pressures? What are the needs? And, And a lot of times it is like the HR team is going to give their priorities their pressures, their needs, and and then yep. the ops team in this case would do the same. And so, like yep. again, yep. priorities, pressures, needs, and then here's the rub. What did you do next? Yeah, I said, so here's the deal. I want you to answer on your flip chart what you think the other team needs. So And their priorities. Yeah, so I'll, I'll read through the list. It was... yeah. What are their top priorities? What are their pressures? What's the pressure they're feeling from their boss? What energizes them? Why did they get into ops in the first place? Why did they get into HR in the first place? What do they love about their jobs? What do they need most from me? What am I doing that's making their work more difficult? What can I do that's going to make their life more good e- to make their work easier? And it was, you could, everybody froze. They're like, oh crap, I have to, (laughs) I have to express understanding of them. It's like, I thought this was my chance to make sure they understood me. And, and it was great. I mean, they, it was like, you could have heard a pin drop. And then the, if I had said answer for yourself, the markers would have been flying, but it was like, there was white paper for a long time where they're like, uh, yeah, what, what? Why does somebody get into ops? What do ops leaders like? What is this plant manager? What's their energizer? But it, and it was great because they, I would say that each side got about 60% of the way there. And then they would communicate to the other side, hey, this is what we think 
this is the pressure we think you're feeling. Is that right? And they're like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's really close, but you missed this one and this one. They're like, oh yeah, that's true. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Like now we, yeah, we understand what that feels like as a plant manager when we don't have good candidate flow of hourly workers. Like, oh yeah, that's really tough. And then one of the funny ones was like energizers and the HR team was reflecting on the ops managers and saying, I think they're probably energized by like what efficiency and energized by like, you know, output. And, and they totally missed that all these plant managers were like, we're energized by people. We love working with people. We love the people that work in the plants. Like that's why we come to work every day. It's like, we're building this community here. And they're like, really? Cause all you guys talk about is efficiency and productivity. They're like, yeah, but I got into the people business cause I love people. And so it was like, it was an amazing, it started to tear down these us, them break, you know, walls that were between these functions. So stepping back from that activity, we've now done that with multiple teams. We've done that one-on-one, like, Hey, look across the room, find somebody that you have to work with a lot you know, go up to that person and just express to them what you understand their priorities to be. What are the pressures they're probably feeling? You know, what do they love about their job? What do they need from you? What can you do to make their life easier? What can you, what are you doing that makes their life hard? And just like have a one-on-one conversation uh, or have a team-to-team conversation or, you know, put common groups that work together often. Like we, like James, we often talk about the go-to-market triangle, right? Product, marketing, revenue, you know, the salespeople, the marketing people, the product people, like, like these teams need to be in alignment, but they all have slightly different needs and pressures and frustrations. So sympathy for the other side, empathy really for the other side. Yeah. And what I love about that exercise is I think there's two areas of learning, probably at least two areas of learning. The first is when you switch it up on them, they learn like, oh, they maybe don't know all about that other team as much as they thought they did in the stories they were telling about that team. And then we don't start with advocating for what you need, but we do actually get there. And so after the empathy part and trying to figure out what the other team's priorities and pressures and energizers and needs are, we then get to add to that list and provide a little bit more clarity and understanding. And and so I I love it. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, we actually did like different color markers. Like, okay, now let's, let's actually go from the, you got 60% of the way. Now let's close up the last 40%. And that's where the magic happened because it was like, I had no idea. I yeah. didn't I didn't realize that that thing that that process we put in place that approval layer or that step was making your life so difficult. And J- James you said the word stories just say a little bit more about that cuz we we talk a lot about that but like you're using that in a very specific way. I'm not sure we've talked about it in the podcast. Well, so often uh, I mean this could happen at the executive level where it's team member by team member or it could go functionally where we are telling stories about another person or about another function. Usually it's because we're having a hard time working with them. We're telling stories that we don't know are actually true or not. Like we start telling the story, but we've never actually asked questions to verify this story. Yeah. And so this exercise 
more often than not, actually disproves the stories we're telling about a right. different person right. or a, a, a different function. And it's so helpful because we get in our head about the behaviors we're seeing and we tell that, we start telling the story and, and then affirming it through other actions or behaviors we see in those people. Right. And yeah. it's like, hold on, we got to go back to the beginning. Is this story even accurate? Right. You know? Right. We've created so many us, them stories within yeah. organizations. And the, the bigger the company, the more pervasive this is. And yeah. especially if the if the executives at the top aren't modeling a team one mindset that can really foster us them stories, and we, yeah. we will often stop and just say, "Hey guys, we're competing with our competitors, not each other. Like right. we are on the same team, and right. and and yet you're describing this other department as though this is a department that you have to go over, around, or through in order to get your work done. Like they are the obstacle, as opposed to." Now, this is a difficult market and there's hard competitors and the economy is, you know, giving us grief and the, you know, oil prices have gone. Like there's all kinds of challenges, but we shouldn't start defining the challenges as other people within our company. Yeah. Yeah. This reminds me of a story. I think I have a really good example outside of the business world, but in a previous life, Keith, I was a volleyball coach, as you know, and one one season I had a team that just was struggling a bit and be probably because we were struggling, there was a lot of finger pointing. And so mm-hmm. in, in one tournament, we weren't doing very well and we had no chance of winning. And so I said, all right. And there had been a lot of finger pointing earlier in the tournament. So in our last match, I decided to switch the lineup but not just like different players in their normal positions. What I did was I put people in their uncomfortable and unnormal positions. So I took an outside hitter and I made them a setter or I took the middle blocker and made them a passer. And, and we played the whole match that way. And that is awesome. (laughs) He's like, it is not as easy as it looks, is it? It's not as easy as it looks to take that, crappy pass and give you a set that you could hit or it's not as easy as it looks to pass a serve that's like floating all over the place or a hard jump spin serve and so so two things happened one of course we lost that match (laughs) and two they never complained about other people again i bet oh my gosh they might have there might there was still accountability on effort yeah. But there was yeah. not accountability on execution because what they really they realized is everybody had a hard job. Right, right. Totally, totally. I was thinking of another client example. James, you and I were with a client that is a, a direct-to-consumer client and, and they, they make a physical product. And the physical product has all the typical, you know, like raw material supply chain needs and inventory yeah. needs. And like every company, there is also cash flow needs. And we need to have yeah. enough cash to do the kind of marketing that we need to do. But we also need to spend cash to get the raw materials. And so we were in a, in a cross-functional group with all the functions represented. And, and somebody, we, we looked at like, what are the main responsibilities of each function? We put them on flip charts up on a wall. And we're going to say, hey, what's missing? And I remember somebody said, cash flow. Like, who's responsible for cash flow? Yes. And then... Do you remember this? And then the marketing yes. guy was like, well, I, I, 
I have a big impact on cash flow because I spend a ton of cash. And then the ops guy was like, yeah, we spend a lot of cash too. And it was like, well, so who's responsible for it? And so I, where I'm driving, so James round out that story, but what I'm driving at is like, it, it was an exercise in aligning motives, not just like yeah. needs, but like motives, like, like, oh my gosh, we all have a responsibility to yeah. manage something. <laughs> <laughs> to manage it. And there was a little bit of, it wasn't obvious. And I, I don't want to say that there was like finger pointing towards other people, but it was just this combined, oh crap, that's a really big thing. And none of us actually took responsibility for it the way right. we might have thought somebody else should be taking responsibility for yeah. it. Yeah. The finance guy is like, well, we report on it. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's like, we spend it, we spend it. Well, what's the right time to spend it? And so I remember a breakthrough was the head of ops was like, I live in fear of inventory outages. Like I live in fear of us selling something that we can't fulfill on, Yes, you know? And so, yeah. So I like, I order a ton of raw material out of this fear. And then the finest guy is like, I live in fear of running out of cash. <laughs> right. And having stockpiles of materials. Yeah. And the finance guy was like, I fear we are running, we might run out of cash. And I look in our warehouse. So we've just got stockpiles of materials. Yeah. The material is not going to pay our employees or pay our rent right. or pay, you know, any of that. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, in fact, that reminds me, one of the guys like, yeah, we could pay our employees with their product. And it was like, no, that's not going to work. <laughs> exactly. So, exactly. But it was great because with those mid-level leaders in the room, they all of a sudden started realizing like we all have a higher motive here, which is like the financial financial health. And one of our consultants that we work with, Tim Cooper, a phrase that he's used a lot is like, hey, is this a problem to solve or attention to manage? And yeah. in their case, like, yeah, this, this is a tension to manage. Like there's, we gotta, we gotta stay in this sweet spot, but we have to, we have to with like empathy and understanding and aligned motives as these key functions in this simplistic yeah. example of like sales, marketing, ops, and finance. Like we need to, we need to talk together more often. Like what's the right, you know, what are the right decisions we made leading up to purchases? Yeah. Yeah. You know, Keith, this is uh, this is calling to my attention the idea that so often on executive teams or maybe in in kind of a macro discussion with in an all hands when like cross functional alignment comes up sometimes the thought is like hey you know what we just need to give each other the benefit of the doubt yeah and it's like okay yeah that would be great except we all know we're trying to get things done in our function. And sometimes it's going on in another function is having an effect on that. And this again is where we start telling ourselves stories and let's be honest, it would be really easy or it would be a lot easier if we could give each other the benefit of the doubt, but let's remember we're human and we're not yeah. perfect. And the tension with another function is going to come into play and not everybody is going to be able to just give that other function the benefit of the doubt. And so we as leaders need to jump in and help them give each other the benefit yeah. of the doubt. And the exercise you're talking about is an amazing exercise to do that. Right? Yeah. Start yeah. telling a more accurate story about the other function 
and be able to honestly be able to give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, yeah. And I think one practical application is like, if you are a, an executive listening to this, you realize like, yeah, the ultimate cross-functional team is the executive team. And their job yes. is to be cohesive with each other, to have a team one mindset, like this is our primary team, but then also to create enough clarity that they can cascade through the organization so that everybody at the functional levels are hearing the same things. And then what that yes. does is it allows, you know, mid-level leaders to say, hey, you know, if we're hearing different priorities coming from our executive, that we're, you know, we report to different executives, if we're hearing different strategies, different priorities, different focus, that's not our fault. That's their fault. Like they they need to solve that. So if you're an executive, recognize like you own the responsibility to create clarity and to speak with one voice. But then you empower your mid-level leaders to escalate back to you anything that seems, you know, like a, a disconnect. But then you empower them to make decisions, like like the whole managing the cash flow thing. It was like the exec team didn't need to decide on inventory levels. That was a mid-level decision. You know, it was a mid-level decision to right, how much do we allocate to you know um, online advertising, and so like give them enough clarity to make these decisions, but to make them not in silos, but to make them in cross-functional teams that have huge impact on the business. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think this has been great and super helpful for people because as we remember, like we need cohesive teams and you know, that's not just the executive team. That's not the teams that the executives lead. It is also cross-functional teams People who yeah. work together a lot cross-functionally, they need to be aligned and cohesive as much as possible as well. And it's our job as leaders to help them get there. Well said. So thanks for your time, Keith. This has been awesome. And I think this is really important work in an organization. So thank you. All right. Good. Thanks for listening to the Organizational Health Advantage. And we look forward to seeing you in our next episode. Thanks for listening to the Org Health Advantage. Your hosts, Keith and James, are helping leaders change the world of work and invite you to share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. For more resources on building stronger teams and organizational health, check out tablegroup.com. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.